0: You're listening to The Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to The Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today, we have Pierre-Paul Tourja, an exceptional guest and multifamily investor, former CHMC multifamily underwriter out of Edmonton, Alberta please help me to welcome our guest. How are you, Paul? Up here.
1: I'm fine, Adam. Yourself? How are you?
0: Thanks so much for being with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks a lot. So I would like to start
0: uh, about the beginning as a multifamily investors, and maybe before when you were an underwriter, What, what was the beginning for you?
1: Uh, I, I that, that's a great question. I'm going to try to keep the answer short because my, my path, my uh, trajectory, it was quite interesting. Um, I got a lot of education. I got a lot of degree, a degree in political science from uh, a major in international relations from UFT. but, uh, I, I came out of the university and, uh, CMHC was starting an international, uh, division, mm. uh, so helping foreign countries, uh developed a similar kind of a housing finance system that we have uh so i started working for cmhc international at their head office in ottawa mm-hmm. uh where at the time of that, that's where i got my law degree from and so uh cmhc was mostly you know housing systems and all that because you know cmhc is canada's uh, national housing agency mm-hmm. but then cmhc was being approached this is pretty cool actually adam Uh, by international institutions such as the world bank Mm. and its subsidiary which is the international finance corporation IFC and they wanted CMHC to provide uh, mortgage default insurance which is what CMHC is known Mm. for uh, advice to foreign countries such as uh, one not too far from where you grew up when you were born uh, West Bank and Gaza Uh, so I helped and I don't have it here with me, but my claim to fame is I met with Chairman Yasser Arafat in the Gaza Strip Whoa. because I helped create PMHC. Uh, so, so the point is I work from a, uh, for, on behalf of CMHC for, uh, on a, an international housing finance projects. Uh, so I sit in the uh, Middle East, uh, in mm. Africa, in Gabon, in China, in uh, Europe as well, in Mali, mm. Africa. So pretty cool career at CMHC. But at that time, I was more a project manager uh, on behalf of CMHC, so I wanted to learn the expertise that CMHC has, which is mortgage default insurance. So in other words, uh, CMHC does not provide money to, to investors or you know, borrowers. They insure the loans that and the banks provide the money to the investors or the uh, homeowners. If you go with single home ownership uh, product as well. And so uh, and, and so I became so because I wanted to deliver on these international projects from a technical point of view, I needed to learn CMEC's expertise, which is uh, becoming an underwriter, which is uh, assessing the risk factors. Mm-hmm. When you buy a single home, I did a little bit of single home underwriting as well, mm-hmm. then, which is pretty cool and often is over uh, not paid much attention to that. But I managed a small department that CMEC in the Prairie region called default management, and real estate department. So two components, default management is default management of apartment buildings.
0: Uh,
1: And here's the thing, Adam, uh, very few of them ever defaulted back then. And to this day, despite the challenges that we have, uh, you know, COVID and you name it and recessions, apartment buildings are very sound asset but I also managed the faults of a small uh, homeowner's product. So so I learned the core expertise by becoming an underwriter. And then, of course, my last four years at CMHC, I was an apartment building underwriter, an apartment multifamily underwriter on behalf of CMHC. And then I saw how much money people were making, uh, owning and operating apartment buildings. So I left my job and I focused (laughs) full-time on... uh, on investing, as you said, in uh, yeah. my introduction on investing in apartment building, I own a portfolio of $22 million, mm-hmm. 136 uh, doors in, uh, in the city of Edmonton. So that's sort of my long-winded story, but pretty cool uh, trajectory, I find.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really, a, a, but you're coming from, I think, Vancouver, uh, not Vancouver, yeah, Vancouver. You coming from Vancouver? Quebec,
1: Quebec originally, or Ottawa, right? Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. Cross over the river. So why why
0: you shift your whole uh, portfolio to um, Edmonton or Alberta instead of Quebec?
1: Well, uh, so what happened is when I learned when I wanted to learn. So that's one piece of the information I didn't share with you. When I decided to learn CMC's core expertise, again, which is mortgage default insurance, mm-hmm. uh, I moved from uh, Ottawa or Gatineau. I lived in Gatineau, but I worked yeah. at CMHC's office in Ottawa mm-hmm. to Alberta. So I moved to CMC's regional office oh, okay. in Alberta and Calgary. Yeah, okay. So hence, that's what I know well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in Alberta have done very, very well. The last six years have been very difficult. I'm not going to deny that because mm-hmm. of the when the price of oil dropped and there was an, a, an oversupply of oil around the world starting in 2015, 2016. Uh, but we have a very uh, permissive legislation in Alberta. That is, uh, you know, you can increase your rent by whatever the market can bear hmm. based on, you know, what's going on in the economy, vacancies and all of that. But the province does not cap by how much you can increase your rent. Yes. So uh, in the big boom days, which were at the, the beginning of a new boom in Alberta, uh, you could increase your rents uh, as much as the market could bear. And I can give you a stat. Uh, the last that I looked uh, between, I think it was 20, 2004 until 2011, I think rents increased by about 44%, wow. uh, Adam. Yeah. So you imagine that, apply a cap rate to that, it was Amazing vacancies Mm -hmm. were down. Some of the highest wages in Canada to this day are in Alberta, so the market could support uh, these higher uh, rents. And it still is the case. Uh, We have, uh, like the rest of Canada, we have labor shortages. But so Alberta market uh,
0: market fundamentals are very
1: strong. Yeah, very very strong, strong. and they're they're coming back very strong again. To be honest with you, I can expand on that if you want to talk about market fundamentals, but. That's I was underwriting in three provinces. So Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, mm. and the Northwest Territories and Nunavut. So it's, it's cool. a market that I knew well. And I think you, you agree. You'll agree with me. You need to know, know your market very well. So yeah. Alberta had opportunities and I know it well because I was underwriting in that market. I knew everybody and everybody knew me. I had a good credibility. So that's why I'm in Alberta. And I, I have I a great faith in Alberta right now, where, as I said, we're at the beginning of a boom, boom again.
0: I think this is a great advice from experts like you. Is when you're looking on the multifamily, the big game is or the main game is cash flow. You cannot work yeah. out with appreciation. That's why someone like you was on the back end, CHMC. He saw and he knew where is the actual uh, game is. And when you started to be an investor, your first thing is you moved from your uh, or like Quebec to the game, where uh, the actual market is investor friendly. The rent, as you mentioned, is uh, there's no limit, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna leave this for you to to explain wh- what is the market fundamentals, the, the main market fundamentals when yeah. you're looking to your market.
1: Sure, and before I do that, though, Adam, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm gonna somewhat yeah, sure. disagree with you. Uh, you know, in terms of. Obviously, you want a property that's going to cash flow. Absolutely. that. That's uh, I, I tell my students, don't touch a property uh, unless it's going to cash flow. If it doesn't cash flow, it's because you know that maybe you can fix the property or raise your rents mm. or the market is turning in your favor. So we've got, again, strong fundamentals in the marketplace. Uh, but but, but I'm, I'm curious now, I'm going to flip the question over to you. Why do you think it's only cash flow and Appreciation not something that you uh, you you look for uh, when because you buy the property. Is that what you're telling me? F- I'm curious me, now. How a bit of a reverse. No, no. For me, it's a, the main the, uh, question. is question.
0: Uh, my, my main issue about the cash flow always is the stability of the market within the recession cycle. So within your your goal is the cash flow is going to be up and down with the recession, yeah. with the, with the interest rate up and down. So why cash flow? Because you want to protect yourself during recessions. You want to protect yourself yeah. during any interest rate uh, spikes. Uh, because uh, when Absolutely. you're dealing with multifamily uh, buildings, uh, you are not dealing with your own money. You want to uh, be trustful. You want to keep the, the promised and projected returns to your investors. So if you're gambling, don't gamble with your own money. Yeah. And for me, gambling is working on appreciated market, not a cash flow market.
1: No, I, I think that's, uh, it's a sound advice in that regard, uh, you and know, I both, uh, you know, use other people's money to buy uh, these assets. So it's a very sound advice. And I, uh, I certainly agree, you got to be very cautious. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, cash flow, it's it, what I say, and of course, you know, you're, you're, you're interviewing me. So and I'm a teacher, this is what I have been doing for since 2008. Yeah. Uh, what I tell my students, it's finding a balance between yes, you have to have a cash flow. Like I, I teach my students, don't touch a property if it doesn't generate a cash flow. Uh, but if you want a cash flow as an investor, and I, I don't have the big chart uh, with me when I teach um, when I teach this stuff, but one of the things that I start with, and I think you were the conference, right? The, the multifamily conference. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I saw I, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Great I can find back. it quickly because I, I didn't plan on using it. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. So the first box is, is you as an investor. What are you trying to accomplish? So if you're, it's protection cap of your capital, uh, is it cash flow? What I tell my students, uh, Adam, is find a happy medium, right? If you want a cash flow, all you have to do is put more money down, right? Lower the leverage, the financing, then you're going to cash flow more. However, your cash on cash return on investment is going to be uh, impacted yeah. negatively by that. So what I tell my students, it's, it's finding the right balance for the market that you're in based on market conditions where you're, you're investing in all of that. But, but, you know, because to me, you know, but it's understanding and I'm going to get to your question in a second now, cause that's a nice segue. Where is the market going from the moment you buy that asset? Hmm. Where's the market going? Ideally you want a market that's ascending, that's going up, right? The fundamentals are strong. Hmm. Uh, so to me, I'm just, just the way, by the way, I, I teach this stuff, right? Uh, yeah. And, and of course we've, we've, uh, <laughs> We've had a, a long uh, stretch of very low cost of money. Of course, we know that even yesterday, interest rate went up by a half a percentage point. But mm-hmm. right up until now, we had principal pay down that were amazing as another uh, profit source. But why I like Alberta, what are the fundamentals in Alberta? Um, it's a strange world. I, like I said, I studied political science at U of T with a major in international relations. I'm well-traveled and speak a bunch of languages and all of that. Uh, very worldly, I guess you could say. I don't mean to brag, but I just, it's, I, I read about international politics all the time. This is what I do. We are in a strange world. Um, we got this war in Europe. Uh, now we know that the, the, we're, there's going to be severe food shortages. Uh, we are in an energy crisis that's significant, all related to what's going on with Russia, people not wanting to buy the oil in Russia. But we already had an energy crisis that was uh, uh, in the works. Why? Since 2016, 2016, yeah, 2015, 2016, as a starting point where the price of oil went down, yeah. uh, and everybody was, you know, crapping all over oil and gas companies like uh, the end of the world is near, you know, uh, global warming and all of that. Mm. Oil companies started not investing in oil production. So we went from a position of oversupply of oil to undersupply of oil. Mm. Uh, For the last six, seven years, because it's not oil, it's not a tap overnight, you turn it on and oil starts flowing, it takes years to get production going. Mm. So before even this crisis in Europe, and you know, the Ukrainian uh, Russian war began, we were going into a position of undersupply of oil, which is now exacerbated by uh, what uh, what's going on in Russia. So oil is not going away. And uh, I'm not anti, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't, I would call myself an environmentalist, absolutely. I'm the kind of person that spends his time in, in the outdoors, hunting, skiing, fishing, you name it, all year round. I'm, mm. I'm in the mountains, right? Cause I'm in Alberta. Um, but we cannot switch over to greener um, technologies overnight. It's a physically impossible. We don't have the technology. So people mm. need to keep that in mind. So if you talk about fundamentals, the world needs oil like more than ever. Hmm. Alberta has it. Alberta ha- has the cleanest oil, you know, in the world, the highest environmental standards. In the last 10 years alone, Adam. Hmm. Uh, Alberta oil and gas companies have reduced their emissions by listen to this, 30%. Okay. Edmonton's been declared the hydrogen hub of Canada. The oil and gas companies have invested money, have created a consortium. To invest in research and development to further reduce. We are a world leader. The world needs Alberta. Okay, mm. so that's yeah. one thing on the fundamental. With oil drives, this this planet. It doesn't matter how you slice it. You can climb on trees, tie yourself to trees, and to save them and all that. We physically cannot live without oil yet. We need to make that transition. Ain't gonna happen for decades. So this is. Personally, my assessment, and I, I could send you a ton of information on that. An article I agree. From experts I agree. And scientists. Uh, so first step one. Now let's talk about food shortage. What is the world's shortage or is about to be significant? And this scares me. It's wheat. All right.
0: And oh, guess okay. what?
1: Guess who has wheat? Alberta and Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Have
0: yeah. yeah. Saskatchewan. But I didn't know Alberta, well.
1: like Alberta too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But not to the same extent as Saskatchewan. Yeah. But, uh, we, we we also have oil, like canola. There's going to be an oil shortage. You need oil for everything. A lot of countries, just reading this morning about uh, palm oil, like Indonesia and, uh, oh, India also is mm. not exporting uh, wheat anymore because they want to make sure that their population, so the same thing with oil. Like mm. a, a lot of countries, like Indonesia, what's the other country, uh, and another country where they grow uh, palm oil, which palm oil and all this oil goes into almost everything. Mm. So, <clears throat> So uh, and I'm done. So you can see where Alberta and Saskatchewan we have because there's oil in Saskatchewan as well, and there's potash, which is a fertilizer that's needed. So uh, so it so means
0: sustained job opportunities on the market. Time. And
1: I'm not done. One more I need to give you, my friend. Why? Yeah, sure. Because right? I mean, if credit investors are listening to me, you can reach out to me at support at multifamilyinvestingcanada Support 100%. at multifamilyinvestingcanada If you're interested in investing with me in Alberta, but Here's what else does Alberta have? So you're in GTA. You were telling me you're in in Mississauga. And as you know, I know the area well. I went to U of T and I have friends and family in Mm. Ontario. I'm out there regularly now since COVID is over finally. uh, And that's something people... (laughs) Finally, we see
0: faces and
1: finally we met
0: on the conference. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if anybody wants a speaker, I'll I'll come out to GTA anytime. But Mm. we need, as a result of COVID, we have quantitative easing, right? The printing of a lot of money. We're in debt like... Never in our history in Canada, hmm. right? Home prices are through the roof. They're coming down a little bit. There's a bit of an adjustment. But the fact of the matter is we have in Canada a severe housing crisis, hmm. right? There's not enough homes to go around. And rents are horrendously high, especially in GTA, lower mainland in British Columbia. Quebec is still reasonable. But overall, like there's hardly any rental units, right? Yeah. Except where? In Saskatchewan and in Alberta, yeah. where rents are significantly lower and our vacancy is higher, so you think about that. We need to bring immigrants to you know fix the labor shortages that we have across Canada. No difference. Uh, it's no different here in Alberta. We have labor shortages in the oil and gas. My kid graduating from high school uh, tomorrow wants to work in the Congrats. oil and uh, gas just for as a gap as a gap here, right, to make a lot yeah. of money. And then after that, I'm not sure what he's going to be doing, but there's like wages, like people are going to work opportunities at Mm. the highest wages in Canada, pretty much in Alberta. Mm. Now, we know that the federal government has speeded up the process to bring in Ukrainians, right? And it's begun. I think the number in Edmonton is going to be 60,000 Ukrainians coming. I have a friend of mine who's going to be volunteering uh, to help them uh, acclimatize and all of that in Alberta. Mm. So you're talking about terms of fundamentals you're talking increasing population lots of work high wages uh we have oil which is at a ridiculously price and you haven't seen the end of it like it's going to be very costly for us to travel abroad and drive our cars so uh you know all the fundamentals are there bottom yeah, line Adam. Yeah, so yeah. it's a long-winded answer but i mean you know, like you this is yeah you, you finally see as
0: a, i think you see finally the, the light after 2014 all of the decline of the market. I'm not going to say it collapsed, but it didn't appreciate. But in the last year, the admin to market started to see appreciation. As you mentioned, the rest is was always there. The cash flow was always there. The only problem was the fundamentals was not clear. But as you mentioned, all of this uh, clear now and uh, the appreciation. So yeah, it's a great market to invest to be honest right now. Uh, it's a bit of
1: a stampede. There's more more competition, but yeah, it know, is. it's uh... Yeah. it is what it is uh, you know like anywhere else you need to know what you're doing and do your your research properly and your planning
0: i think there is an actual immigrant investors coming from gta coming to edmonton now. like i well, well, like like yeah. i said
1: they're coming here because the, the, the housing prices are lower and rents are lower they're yeah. coming here so demographic growth has one of the fundamentals that we look at uh, from the real estate view. also the here. market is investor friendly
0: Also, the market is investor friendly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. The legislation is user friendly. Yeah. So, like I said, it's finally, yeah, it's been a rough, rough uh, six years in Alberta, but yeah, the good times are coming back. Not to the same extent as before. It's not going to be booms like that were excessive, like in the past, Mm. you know, previously. But it's going to be more sustainable, and uh, yeah. the future belongs to Alberta. Uh, mark my words. That's uh, daily 100%. I do my research like you. So,
0: hundred percent. So, my next question is about the actual, not fundamental, but numbers wise. So, what is uh, what is the perfect deal right now, like range wise? When you're looking for a deal, what is the accepted acceptable cab rate for you? Uh, what is the accepted? Um, also, your target uh, project is a. Uh, uh, Bur like when you do actual force appreciation or buy and hold. I'm asking this question because I'm trying to ask about what is your criteria expenses what, expenses to net operation income wise. So you'll always like find an actual opportunity when you find that the, the, the actual uh, uh, split is 60% between expenses and net operation income and you see, okay, on this matter, I can enhance the management i can lower the expenses then i see an opportunity for you what is the actual um, uh, trigger here on alberta yeah, right it, now
1: well it's i hate to lump everything into uh a specific category hmm. obviously i have been uh you want to call it the bird uh yeah, I'm always looking for an, a, 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 an asset that has an upside where, as you said, I can go in and fix the numbers, uh, maybe increase my rents, which is something in Alberta we can do. And mm-hmm. then I look at the operating expense side and I see, uh, I, I try to find ways to shave operating expenses in order to increase uh, NOI, right? my net operating income, which is uh, the driver, the, the NOI is the driver of valuation. So, of course, I look for that. But mm-hmm. then again, uh, Adam, it, it depends what you see in the market. I have one of my former lenders uh, used to say, he or she who gets the property is always the one who overpays, right? Uh, And all of us, you can ask any real estate, multifamily real estate investor, most of us have overpaid at times. But I I have one of those that I overpaid by five grand a door, which in my book was not much. But at what phase of the market, uh, at what phase was the market at, and it was in an ascending phase. So the $5,000 per door that I overpaid for has disappeared. Now that property, which i paid back then uh, 2010, I think Mm. it was $85,000 a door, Mm. is now worth probably $120,000, $130,000 a door, right? So, and it's fully stabilized, no major capex, right? Because I've owned it since uh, 2010. So Mm. that's a great asset, okay? but generally speaking, this one, I don't think I got a big lift, right? When you can go in and increase your NOI significantly, mm. uh, but it's steady eddy. like this asset is fully stabilized and it's cash flowing and it's fully, almost fully repaired. There's no major mm. capital expenditure. So, but yeah, ideally, but, but let's say I buy an asset that's fully stabilized. Mm. Uh, there's no upside. There's no way of improving my NOI, therefore valuation. Mm. Uh, but my goal, again, going back to my chart here, what, what what's my investment goal? And making sure that my investors' uh, investment goals are in sync with mine. If it's like mm. guys, like a lot of guys that invest with me, it's to protect their capital because they're not so sure about the stock market, mm. right? Uh, it's to preserve their capital. And I make sure uh, that I choose uh, very carefully. And I think you and I, before you started recording, since we you were talking about the kind of investors that we have, Hmm. I want to make sure that these investors know that this is a long-term investment. Yep. I say at least a 10-year hold, right? 10 years. And, you know, yeah, as a minimum. And to be honest with you, hmm. uh, I I would like to keep these assets forever. Like I work hard at the beginning to stabilize them, to, hmm. you know, replace the roof if I have to. And, and, and now I'm upgrading to a higher grade, my units. Mm. With final planks like I have here, nice quality stuff that's more durable, mm. uh, you know, doing these improvements with more durable materials, then my repair and maintenance expenses go down. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you find people that are in sync with your investment goals, what's wrong with that? The property, we pay the the loan down and it, and cash flow keeps going up. and if it, mm. it's retirement money, Adam. Dude. So sometimes what I'm trying to say is, Ideally, yes, I want to make a good chunk of money by finding a bird type of project where I can Mm. go in and fix the numbers and make more money faster. But it's it's not always a race. And for me, because I have a core group of uh, repeat investors. Mm. They know that it's, it's, generally speaking, a long-term hold, but sometimes you may want to dispose of one, depending what's happening to uh, my life or my investor's life, they want out. But if they want out, we can buy their shares at today's market value as well. So I tend to be a long-term hold. Uh, mm. to ride the wave because it's a sound asset. And by the way, like I said earlier, I used to manage defaults at CMHC, right? The, the apartment yeah. buildings. And yeah. I was bored out of my mind because they rarely default. To this day in 2022, despite the, the, the pandemic that we've gone through, mm. uh, that we're still somewhat experiencing because it's not going away. So yeah. long-winded yeah. answer, but that, that's what I look for. <laughs> so if the building makes sense, yeah. yes, but I don't limit myself to just a burr where there's a big chunk of uh, money that can be made quickly. Yeah. If it's a sound asset, and my investment horizon and that of my investor's shoulders is long enough, then it's a great project. You're in the game. There's always an opportunity cost, right? Hmm. Uh, The the, the, the cost of not buying the asset, if it's a sound asset in a good market uh, that you know over time is going to continue to do well. 100%. 100%.
0: 100% 100%. I think we're going to go back to the main part here which is CHMC products for the multifamily. As a former underwriter, uh, I was trying to highlight the main differences between the conventional products and CHMC products especially there's a confusion about uh, when is the best time. And for me the challenge was with CHMC is, uh, is how long it take. It's, it's killing me to be honest. Uh, yeah, but it's a great
1: ridiculous. Yeah,
0: yeah, but uh, it's a great product. Uh, you can find uh, until eighty-five LTV, uh, forty years, but with some even more
1: now with MLI Select, right up to ninety-five percent. Really, uh, with MLI Select. This. Yeah, let me check that. It came out in March, so I still have to look ah, at the guidelines. Okay, but yeah, okay. Uh, okay, yeah.
0: So if we uh, can so, highlight the main for, yeah. for you as as a as a as a former experienced expert on this matter. Beside as a as a as a as a multifamily investor, uh, what is what is the attraction or what is the the, the main uh, trigger for you to look for a CHMC loan? And what is the pros and cons? Yeah,
1: and, and it's, I, I want to make sure uh, your listeners, uh, Adam, understand. I'm not yes, I'm a former underwriter, but I'm always in the know. Whatever goes on, like like I'm, you know, I'll share about MLI Select in a minute but oh. I've, I'm always in touch with lenders and mortgage brokers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm always current uh, yeah. because it's my job and I'm always refinancing a deal or now I'm looking at acquiring. But uh, when you take my course, and again, you can go to support uh, multifamilyinvestingcanada.com There's yeah. an online program there that you can take. It's 72 hours, very extensive. I know it's the best in Canada because nobody else in Canada has my yeah. background, my credentials. So a lot of people are, are copycats, graduate students of mine shall remain nameless but i i gave you those names they all came through between me uh, and you they, they all came through my course and i know mm-hmm. they're using my stuff but i i i give you a chart this cmhc versus uh conventional financing yeah. so um mm-hmm. so i think your question basically you you focused a bit on cmhc but it's what's the difference between cmhc insured financing versus conventional financing yes. is that what i understand yeah, yeah. so Conventional financing, let's start with that. It's non-CMHC insured loan. So again, just to go back to CMHC, CMHC does not provide money financing, but the banks provide financing, provide you with the money to buy your assets to invest in your multifamily properties. What CMHC does, they come behind and they insure the lender's loan against default by investors or borrowers, if you will. Okay, So that's what we call mortgage default insurance. If, as an investor, I default on my mortgage payments and the loan is insured by CMHC, whatever losses uh, the bank has, CMHC will pay the the lender's claim against whatever loss occurred as a result that have occurred as a result of the default by the investor. But conventional financing is non-CMHC insured. Therefore, there's no insurance to protect the lender. So the underwriting guidelines are going to be different. First of all, the maximum loan-to-value is going to be 75%. Okay. Of loan to value. Good news is the value that the lender conventional lenders will use. So when I say conventional lenders, that means the loan is not insured by CMHC. Okay. Uh, So it's 75% loan to value up to 75% of the value. What value? Generally speaking with conventional lenders, they will take the actual appraised market value. Okay. Uh, So that's one key difference. The other difference as well, conventional financing, the maximum uh, amortization period is 25 years. Yeah. So, at large, and, and the other thing too for conventional financing. Still, before I move on to the CMH insured financing, your interest rate, generally speaking, is higher on the conventional side by roughly, on average, one percent. So yeah. that's a significant negative impact on your return on investment. Yeah. So that's conventional financing. Whereas on the CMH insured financing side. Uh, the maximum loan to value is generally 85% unless you go for MLI Select, which just came out in March of this year, yeah. which can go up to 95% loan to value. We'll come back to that after a little bit at a high level, okay, um, yeah. Adam? But let me just finish the two distinctions between CMHC. So 100%. CMHC instead of, 70, CMHC instead of uh, 75% loan to value for the conventional side, you can go up to 85% Loan yeah. to value, yeah. so you can borrow more money. However, the which value that CMHC uses is usually nowhere than market value. Yeah. Although since January of last year, uh, CMHC now requires you to provide an appraisal for mm. apartment buildings between five and twenty-four units. So because of that, since last year, the, whatever value CMHC will use tends to be a little bit closer to market value, but not always. I wouldn't necessarily count on that. Okay. But so for whereas, bigger
0: buildings, the same. They need also appraisal, yeah. Yeah. even if it's more than 24.
1: Uh, well, not necessarily for a larger building, the roof. But at any point, CMEC can decide to do whatever they want. Ab. Yeah. Yeah. But generally yeah. speaking, between five, five and, and 24, 24. units, yeah. you need an, an appraisal, which is new until last year, January of last year, 2021, wasn't necessary. OK. So that's the second difference. So just be careful. Yes, it's higher loan to value, but what value? CMHC tends to lowball value, whereas yeah. the conventional lenders they give you market value, generally speaking. Okay. And I cannot speak specifically because every time you submit a deal to the bank, whether yeah. it's CMHC or conventional, they will look at it based on its own merit. So I can't lump everything into one box. Usually the deal you, is analyzed.
0: Usually if you're like uh, and the market value is like 3, three million, CHMC is gonna appraise it for 2.7, 2.6.
1: Yeah, it's it's it tends to be very conservative on value. So the yeah. so first thing. So higher loan-to-value for CMC up to 85% or yeah. 95% if you go with this new pro- product, MLI Select, yeah. uh, which we'll so- circle back in a moment. And then the other thing, too, is that the uh, maximum um, maximum amortization for CMHC, yeah. it used to be 40 years. Now with MLI Select, I think it's up to 50 years. Okay. Oh. So whereas conventional financing is only 25 years. And um, what else? Maximum loan-to-value uh, is 85. We've talked about that. And I the see. interest rate is 1% lower on average than conventional financing. So at, at large, Adam, those were the... Oh, and, and turnaround time. Okay. Yeah, that's this the is difference. the
0: main problem. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is a main problem, but it's improving somewhat. <laughs> but if you want to deal improve quickly, you don't go CMH insured financing because as Adam said, it takes forever to get approved. It was hell when COVID began. It's improved now. It, I understand it's continuing to improve, but be careful. If you want to close quickly on a deal, you never, never mm. go with savings insured financing. Yeah. Okay, you know you need to go with conventional financing, probably with. During COVID, was six months, six yeah, seven months. It was insane. I've oh, been there, done that. I know. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I and my financing applications are perfect. Like I knew what I'm doing. I used to be the guy telling banks, yes. okay, yeah. your financing application is not complete. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but it's better now, it's improving. But as long as people understand, if you need financing approved quickly, you never go CMHC, you're going to go conventional financing, which is non-CMHC insurance financing.
0: I think the CMHC is perfect for refinance. When you have time, when you have the, the property already stabilized, you can apply for CMHC after you add value or after you acquire the building, but not to buy, not to acquire. Yeah,
1: I, I would tend to agree with you on that one, uh, uh, Adam. I, I I Generally speaking, yeah. Longer closing, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you go with uh, conventional financing, usually it's a bridge loan for a short term, usually 12 months. Yeah. Uh, but th- this is the kind of stuff I teach, obviously, as well in uh, my, my workshop. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So um, my um, my next question will be um, raising capital and uh, yeah. how was the raising capital journey for you? Um, how you started? Um, what was the main uh, trigger able to attract or show because uh, raising capital is not we're not looking for money Uh, we are uh, giving an actual opportunity to our investors and they basically uh, invest and in in their trust on us and our performance so when is this started with you and when you said uh, basically uh, this is another question to be honest a separate question which is uh, what you prefer is uh, equity partner or debt partners like uh, going with hard money or more like equity partners where you have more passive investors?
1: I, I that, so the latter. So for me, they're all equity investors. No. Um, and, and I know you and I both know, because we both raise money privately. Uh, It's the biggest hurdle uh, that people face uh, that prevents them from investing is obviously funding capital. Yeah. Uh, but it's all in the mind. Uh, you can, anybody can do this. But I was lucky in that regard because, my expertise is how to assess the risks pertaining to investing in apartment buildings, because I learned that at CMHC in order to insure them. And of course, CMHC doesn't like to pay claims. Um, to be honest with you, they very rarely pay claims on apartment buildings. Why? Cause I told you they rarely default. This is yep. a sound asset. Uh, and throughout I've been through, through uh, two uh, recessions, I guess three sessions now, and there are a sound asset that rarely defaults. Yeah. Uh, but um if, so I was lucky there in that regard to begin with when I started attracting capital uh, because I knew how to assess a, 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 a these assets and mitigate the risk. And therefore, I was able to, you know, uh, pitch deals to a core group of small investors, high net worth individuals, usually in the medical profession yeah. uh, to invest with me. Uh, but their equity, their equity, uh, their yeah. equity holders, uh, they, they and again, going back to my criteria how I choose investors is I make sure that they're in sync with my investment horizon which as I said is a long term hold ideally okay once in a while you sell an asset if uh, it makes sense or you need more cash or whatever but uh, generally speaking I'm in it for the long haul Uh, I'm looking at this as uh, income producing assets in my retirement and I want uh, shareholders and investors Mm -hmm. uh, that think the same way in that regard so um but you just got to know, so for, for somebody that doesn't have the prior experience that I had when I started attracting money, uh, again, this is something that all this first column in the orchard chart is planning and research. You need to do your homework. Yeah. Like you can't go out, you cannot go out and, and, and uh, you know, try to raise money if you haven't done your homework. That's the worst thing. Your credibility is going to be shot right away. Even with uh, the stakeholders in the business, the realtors, the mortgage brokers, the lenders, mm-hmm. you need to Prove to people and prospective investors you've done your homework. Uh, it's as simple as that, and that requires you to roll up your sleeve and <laughs> and, and do the homework. That's, it's yeah. uh, you know, it's not something that happens overnight. Like if somebody says I'm going to start investing in, in multifamily overnight, man, your your mindset is in the wrong place. Very much so. That's scary. And I, <laughs> me, the first one would not invest with you if you haven't done your homework.
0: One of the my my homework always a start. Uh, when I, I, I talk to anyone, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm ready with all of the market fundamentals, number wise, even yep. if I'm sure that he's not going to ask about it, but I have to show them where, how I managed to select this market. And as you mentioned, it's a lot of work. You have to be trustful. You have to show track record, your team, how you did it before, how you went, what was the hiccups. You have to be transparent. Because this is not uh, attracting is trust. If you lost yep. the trust,
1: yeah, so, trust yeah. is everything. Yeah, yeah 100%. Trust is yeah. everything. Yeah. So, um, so, so that's my, how that's what I would say, uh, Adam. You got to do your homework somehow, somewhere. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. But 100%. Th- that's uh, super critical. That's how you attract and trust, as you say. So and money, capital.
0: My next question about the structure: How you structure your deals uh, with your um, inner circle, basically? uh successfully uh, because i like what you did is uh, you don't want to complicate things it's working it's uh, it's uh, been long time with you uh so how you structure your deal um, like with your investors legal wise
1: yeah i i at the beginning the first deal or two i think they were just simple uh, joint venture agreements right yeah. that's uh, spell out uh, the rights and obligations of the parties and who's the lead uh, manager and who does what and who manages the daily operations of uh, the asset and the property manager and all of that? And then I moved on to—it's uh, not significantly different—the simple joint venture agreement, the JVA, but to a unanim- unanimous shareholder agreement. Yeah. Same idea; it specifies uh, the, the 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 obligations and the uh, responsibilities of all the parties. And, you know, if a shareholder wants out, how they can get out and, you know, uh, write a first refusal, all these things that are standard in these agreements. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I, did, I did not, uh, you know, I've been a speaker for a long time, since 2008 across Canada. Uh, but I was always careful not to uh, get involved with the Securities Commission, obviously. 100%. Uh, so it's always people from my inner circle of people who came to me and approached me. But yeah. generally speaking, they were close uh, friends and they were, like I said, high now with individuals. Um, you know, uh, with. Uh, yeah, this is the best thing anyway. Because the it, people are. It, well, at the beginning, right, yeah. I think it it makes sense. Yeah. Now, like I think I was sharing with you before you started recording the interview, that I'm looking at maybe a more sophisticated model, which is not that complicated, but it's more costly to set up with the GPLP model. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not necessary. And I, like you said, you quoted me earlier, I, I try to keep things simple, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to have, uh, I, I try not to have a, a ton of investors per deal. Uh, but again, it depends with the size of the deal. But I try to keep every property uh, has only a handful of shareholders. Literally, 100%. I don't need five fingers even. Uh, I think the price to is
0: it. huge too. Like you're comparing between three, four, five thousand to 30,000. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, on the legal wise, yeah,
1: and and you know because otherwise it becomes too political.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, issues will always arise. You got to be strong. This is uh, it's investing, right? Issues will arise in the marketplace sometimes with the property. Uh, Although this is where I do a pretty good job of assessing uh, properties. I usually don't have a lot of surprises, but mind you, Mm -hmm. uh, the last six years in Alberta, I've been a bit of a surprise because I didn't understand the oil and gas industry like I do now. Uh, yeah. so that's, uh, but yeah,
0: well, I think, uh, uh, the next question will be about coaching and, and courses, uh, tell me how, how you started to uh, understand or like realize that, uh, you think that it's uh, you have the, the ability to help people and how does this help your business and help around the people, the network around you? Because as we mentioned, like some people are using your courses. Um, uh, you're 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 helping people uh you got already this i think from uh understand the the advantages of having an actual uh influence influence on the market but when you started to realize okay i want to start doing this
1: well um obviously like people start teaching it's also one way of attracting capital although i i don't think uh I do have some shareholders that took my course, but they took it after. So they wanted to understand better how I was doing. So it's not how I attracted investors. Hmm. Okay, so I want to specify that. 100%. I was really out of my, uh, you know, my mission, Adam, is to democratize the access to multifamily investing in Canada. And I think I've done a darn good job at it because hmm. a lot of my students are successful. They use the systems that I teach, you know, which is essentially all these charts that I have, right? And, and by the way, the course, uh, this is the last rating from the, the, the March course uh, yeah. out of uh, out of uh, 10. It's uh, 75% gave me a 10 out of 10 and 21.4% gave me a nine out of 10. Uh, I, I've been doing this for a long time. And this yeah. is the student's evaluation, not mine. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I want to help people create uh, this. I think all of us, when we're successful, it's a natural need hmm. uh, to share our success and help others.
0: Yeah, uh, I
1: believe in helping people, uh, uh, helping people create wealth for themselves. And, and my hope is that there will be a ripple effect and people will help others create wealth yeah. uh, in turn and do good in the world. You know what I'm saying? So this is truly what I, what I believe. And I've been doing this for a long time and a lot of my students are very successful. So that's uh, one thing, one desire. Uh, it is a bit of a sideline. Now, obviously, I can use this to attract capital, but I'm very picky. Who I, I want to invest with me, like again, uh, but you know, it, it's it's just that that's part of my mission. But unlike a lot of people that are out there, you mm-hmm. know this, Adam. I'm not always on the internet. I'm not always vlogging because yeah. uh, I have a life. I invest in real estate to create a life for myself, and I like the simplicity of my life. Uh, I travel a lot now that you I'm like hiking. Over- I like hiking. I'm going to be uh, <laughs> yeah. um, next week. I'm going to be spending the week with my wife in Portland, Oregon, just for the heck okay. of it. It's a I'm a footie. It's a footie town. Portland yeah. was in Mexico swimming with uh, shark whales uh, in Good February with my wife. And you yeah. know I'm going to be uh, mountain biking the following weekend when I come back from uh, <laughs> in the mountains. And I've got my wife and I have e-bikes, mountain e-bikes. So it, yeah. it's just trying to keep, but helping people without keeping. Like I'm not a big freaking marketer uh and it, and it shows uh you know there's people that it's their life to be online it's not my life it's a portion of it but i like to help people uh, succeed 100%. as well because i i have good success and a good life i'm very blessed
0: i think my last uh, final question technical one was uh what you can say is your strengths and superpower
1: <sighs> oh that's a really pretty- well, I, I, you know, when you do something like this, you know, it's the, I don't know if I have it here, the Malcolm Gladwell book, uh, uh, you know, the 10,000 hour, let me, let me see if I have it here. Sure, sure, Step out of, uh, Do I have, uh, yeah, it's right here, because I gave it to my son, he hasn't read it, sorry if I disappear from uh, on the camera for a second, right, but oh, it's nice. the outliers, right, that book by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's sort of the, the theory Uh, That if you spend over 10,000 hours doing something like they quote the Beatles or Mm. people who play sport, then you get really good at it. So I think I'm a very good teacher to simplify, uh, you know, to teach this to people how to invest in apartment buildings. Mm. uh, Because, you know, after a while, you start creating very great tools, very clear. This is the financing overview different financing strategies depending on the situations that you're encountering. So I think that's certainly a strength of mine as a speaker and teacher. Mm-hmm. And also as a, as an investor, like I have my nose, I stick to what I know. I'm a cautious investor. So I'm talking about if people want to invest with me, for example, and again, I'm looking for accredited investors to invest with me in Alberta for the reasons I've described the fundamentals in, in Edmonton in particular in Alberta are very strong for years to come. Um, but I, I'm cautious because of my background as a former CMHC underwriter. So I think that's a strength as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I uh, I think these would be my strengths as a teacher. Your leverage was it,
0: yeah. Your leverage as a as a previous uh, game player on, exactly. on on the on the underwriting and current player on the actual market. So both exactly.
1: Oh. And, and yeah. remember, I used to manage defaults. So there weren't too many defaults, but there were some defaults. Uh, so I know what can lead to defaults and how to get around to prevent yeah. that. And again, goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like, okay, cash flow, but you also want to, your overall, your cash flow, cash return investment to be so finding a balance, but I'm a specialist. I have my nose daily, day, day in, day out. I talk to people in my marketplace. I know what I'm doing, right? I, I don't take it for granted. I'm not a passive investor. My investors, my shareholders are passive investors, but me, I'm in the know making sure I know everything that's going on in my market where I invest. 100 so. percent
0: So my final question will be how the people how the people can follow your success.
1: Yeah. So they can, so if people are interested in my courses, they can go to multifamily investing Canada, Mick, multifamily The courses are there. Uh, I just had one in March. Probably we'll have one in October. Hmm. Um, since COVID, we're all, you know, I've got nice fancy cameras like you here. Uh, It's online only. We do this virtually. (laughs) I may do one in person if I do so. I used to have one in Hamilton as well as in Edmonton. Mm. Um, Hamilton. uh, Yeah, yeah, I used to have a workshop in Hamilton for years. It was very, very successful as well. Um, I I don't think I'll have one in Hamilton. If I have one in person again, it's going to be in Edmonton Edmonton, because the way I teach, by the way, this is super important to Adam, is experiential. So we use Mm. case studies real deals one of mine some additional uh, uh, case studies as well and we crunch the numbers and we look at what the due diligence documents look like hmm. and we go through all of these and how i conducted my uh, due diligence my market analysis so it's very hands-on experiential teaching and learning is what i do yeah. uh so when i do it in person uh if i do one in person again but more likely it's going to be virtual because i think it works really well virtual yeah it does. but if it's in person you come and visit, you do a full building inspection accompanied by a professional building inspection of an apartment building. Then we come back to class and we crunch a bunch of numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you can find these courses at multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. And uh, otherwise, um, yeah, so subscribe. You can subscribe. There's a wait list for the next course, which I think is going to be, like I said, in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to reach out to me as a potential uh, you know, accredited investors. So uh, you can reach out to me. You need to have a certain income. Usually every jurisdiction is different, but it's over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and all that. But you can send me an email at support at multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. Support at multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. And we can chat about it if our investment horizons are in sync, if our goals, investment goals are in sync. Uh, But like I said, there's some good times to be had. I'm uh, actively uh, pursuing your acquisitions in Alberta in the next few months.
0: To be honest, it was fun today to have an insight from expert of Edmonton and I appreciate you took the time and we're really happy to bring you again to the show.
1: Well, it's my pleasure, Adam. Thank you so much for having me and wish everybody out there um, you know, uh, a great summer. Uh, I know uh, mine is starting on a good uh, the good footing. So thank you so much <laughs> for having me, Adam. Thanks Cheers. A lot. See you.